Ah, deja vu. We are back again for another episode of the Damn Recruiting Podcast. Uh, instead of, you know, maybe Adam, we should do this more often, man. This was, uh, I think a lot of people aren't enjoying this two episodes in one week. Maybe you and I aren't as much because we're trying to do a time crunch. But, uh, you know, we yeah. got to do what we got to do for the people, man. They're the ones who support us from the get-go. So, everybody, we appreciate it so much. But uh, what's up, Adam? How are you feeling today? Dude, I don't know about you, but I'm cooking. It's like 95 outside here in Central Oregon. It is hot. How's it over up north in uh, Portland or in the Valley? It sucks, man. <laughs> There's no beating around the bush. It sucks. It's hot. You know, and the thing with me is um, I get, I don't know, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's maybe I've hit that age, and I don't know. The, I every time I say people, please reply after I say something like this. Nobody ever replies to me, but I really want to know: Am I the only one? And I'm talking like the only one. This happens to me almost every time. I'll walk outside of my apartment, say, or I'll walk outside of the studio, whatever it is, and it's you know eighty five, ninety, and I just get pissed off. Not not because anything in general. I just hate sweating, and I feel like it happens. It, it'll happens literally as soon as I walk out. I just get really mad. And I just get grumpy. Then everyone else has to deal with that, and then it's just it's just no good. I'm I'm an old man at heart, man. I'm only 23, but I'm really feeling the old age coming to me. But that is a okay because as long as I get to talk to y'all for a little while longer, um, I'll be feeling pretty good. So we got a good show lined up for you today. We have JP uh, Jeff Perry. He does organ. He covers baseball and women's basketball for Beaver Blitz. He's hopping on as our first damn hotline guest. Then we have our boss, Angie Machado. We should probably bring her on so she doesn't think that we're trying to, um, you know, kick her off the podcast. And so, more importantly, I don't get fired. Um, and then we have Lucas Aguilar. He's h- going to hop on. And, um, Adam, you talked to him yesterday, correct? Yes, and we just talked about some of the um, camps that Oregon State coaches have been at over the last couple weekends and who's caught our eye as far as prospects and such. Cool. Well, then we are, you know, we might as well just dive right into it. So usually we do news and notes. We don't have news and notes today because nothing's really happened since Monday. That being said, we can go next level. And, uh, you know, Adam, if anything, we so we got Kyrie Fisher, right? And that's the guy we're going to go next level mm-hmm. on. And, you know, if there's one thing that I've seen from his film, and this isn't going to be a traditional next level for you guys because, you know, I think we I think we did that on Monday, but... Um, Kyrie Fisher, I really think he's going to be a good just addition to the defense. He's not only going to provide depth, but I think a guy that he plays a lot like, I would say with a little more physicality, is Key Wetzel, right? And Key is, what do we know Key for being as an athletic, quick? I think he actually came into Oregon State as a wide receiver, um, maybe. But um, he's just quick, fast. He has great hands. Uh, and he just has a... a way about him about really laying a big hit and you know with guys defensively I think with big hits it's always they kind of always scare me sometimes when you get these guys who want to do nothing but crush a guy because that's when they usually put their head down right and they're um they usually in a way just kind of sell out anyone who's played Madden you already know you used to hit stick and you you sell out trying to make a big play and a lot of the times right that's when where the broken tackles come from or the whiff tackles but, um, you know, what stands out to me the most about him is just the fact that he can lay those big hits, but he does it with his head up, and he has great tackling technique. And that's maybe something I've seen that Coach Smith and his staff are trying to get is instead of having these guys that, yeah, they have great highlight films, don't get me wrong, it's cool to see all these crazy defensive highlights, but it's the fact that he, they're getting sure tacklers. 
And that's something that, mm-hmm. you know, as we've seen, our defense needs. We really do because there's plenty of times where you'll be watching a game, um, say in Arizona, right? We watched Arizona just last season, and, you know, most people thought Oregon State was going to beat them, me being one of those people. And there's just way too many times where J.J. Taylor, he was wrapped up in the backfield, but what happens? You don't secure the tackle. You don't bring him to the ground. You go for the big hit when he's wrapped up, and then somehow he squirms out, right, and then goes 65 yards mm-hmm. for a touchdown. So I think Coach Smith and Coach Tibizar and, you know, basically the whole defensive staff in general have done a great job of finding guys who are sure tacklers, and they're going to make sure that they make the play when it presents itself. And I think that's something our defense has been having to work on um, time and time again is – when the plays, you know, they when the moments present themselves, they have to be able to take them. But um, Kyrie Fisher, he's certainly a guy who who does that. And even watching his film now, I just look back on it, and you know, his first play, it's nothing crazy. He just beats the guy on the outside, um, smashes the quarterback, sacks him. Then from there, forces a fumble. There's another play where uh, a it looked like a running back kind of, or the quarterback just went out, started to scramble. He was in open field, one on one, and you know, Fisher made a great open field tackle, hit him extremely hard. I just like seeing that. I like seeing aggression. I like seeing defensive guys who, you know, I, I would say that the technique and all that, we have great defensive coaches. We have great X's and O's guys. So um, that will be there. And he, you know, it's not that he's bad with it. He certainly is. I mean, he's good enough to obviously be a Division One linebacker. Um, but I just think everyone has more stuff that, that they can work on to polish the game. But just in general, seeing his ability to tackle an open field kind of caught my interest, and that's why I, I'm pretty sure Coach Smith and his staff got this guy just because, man, the more sure tacklers you can get, the better. You know, if there's yeah. an opportunity where it's third and short, you need someone to wrap up, you wrap them up. What have we seen in the past is it's third and short. Um, you hit him behind the line, but he somehow, somehow squirms out and gets an extra three or four yards and gets that first down, right? And that's really what has been killing, mm-hmm, been killing Oregon State's um, kind of momentum. It, it happens all the time, right? And so I think the more guys we get, and especially with these, not only the transfers that we've got, but these Juco guys that we've picked up, we're going to see a lot of, I, I should say, a lot more open field tackling from Oregon State, which is a uh, it's something that I know when I say that, you guys are probably like, okay, Marcus, don't play with my emotions. But I have a lot of confidence in these guys that they picked up, and that's what I would say the one thing that impresses me the most about him is this open field tackling and just his ability to get to the ball. So I really like that. Um, you know, Adam, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at his film, but if not, what do you think in general? You know, Do you think Coach Smith and his guys are looking for more of these you know, kind of additions just for open field tackling in a way, more playmakers, or what is it? Because, yeah. So do you think they're specializing in getting certain a certain type of defensive player, or just kind of give me your thoughts on that? I think, you know, looking at trends as far as our offer trends and who they're bringing in, they have an idea of the prototypical build that they want for each position. You look outside of the corners they want – taller, rangier, long-armed corners uh, at the outside linebacker positions. They want guys who can come into the program and aren't necessarily, um, they aren't having to bulk up or anything like that, it, especially with these JUCOs and the transfers. It's a plug-and-play um, type situation where these these guys are ready to contribute right now. You aren't having to continue to develop them. So I think the other aspect of it is they're also getting very instinctual players, guys who can read and react rather quickly, similar to how Coach Bray played. He wasn't the fastest guy out there, but 
you know what, he could read the play and then react to it faster, and that improved his his overall game speed. And I think that's kind of what they're trying to mold um, in their defense right now, bringing those types of athletes that um, they might not be the elite athlete, the five-star guy who runs, you know, a sub-4-4 four, four, or sub-4-5. Four, 40, but, you know, they got a good build, 6'2", 230, somewhere in there for an outside linebacker. The 6'5", you're looking at, like, John McCartan. Um, sure tacklers, guys who can both get after the quarterback and drop off into space, um, cover their zones. And, you know, it's really a great pickup, especially looking at Fisher. He's a kid out of high school who had 20 offers. You're looking at other SEC programs outside of just Arkansas. You're looking at Big Ten programs, Michigan State, Minnesota, and a bevy of other programs. So to be able to get him to come in, um, a coveted player, a coveted athlete from so many other programs, I think it speaks volumes to what he's thought about nationwide, not just by our own coaching staff. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I feel, you know, I'm feeling more and more comfortable just basically with, you know, these guys that they're getting. I really like the fact that they can get these guys. Like I said, I can't. I can't pinpoint it enough how important it is to get guys that can tackle an open field. And I think they're doing a better job of developing our defensive guys that we already have that they can tackle an open field. And, you know, no matter who it is, don't get me wrong, someone like J.J. Taylor is extremely hard to tackle. I mean, the dude is a freak. But, I mean, you practice against Jamar Jefferson. I, I, I'm pretty sure they could figure out a way to tackle an open field. And I think that they will be better next season. But, um, Adam, we have a jam-packed podcast today, man. So, Let's hop on over first. Sounds like we will have uh, Jeff Perry first on the damn hotline, so let's flip that over. All righty, Beaver Nation. Joining us on the damn hotline today, it is the one and only, the godfather of baseball at Beaver Blitz. He is the author of the weekly walk-off and the women's basketball, women's buzzer beater, the one the only Jeff Perry. How are you, good sir? I'm doing great. It's uh, an honor to be here. My first uh, podcast appearance. Yeah, man. We look forward to having you on more often. We, uh, you know, I think this is, uh, yeah, this is the first time you've hopped on. So welcome, man. And like I always tell people when when it's their first time on, don't be too good because I I kind of like doing this. I don't want you to take my spot. At least not yet. I. I don't think we got too many worries there, Marcus. You've been killing him, man. <laughs> I appreciate it, my man. Thank you so much. So, um, you know, let's just dive into it. Oregon State sounds like they got a new baseball coach. Um, Jeff, you want to you wanna kind of go into detail about that? I mean, that's pretty big news for someone like me who's been trying to catch up on baseball knowledge in general. Um, you know, I just – I saw at least on Twitter that a lot of people seem to be excited about this. I haven't seen one negative thing about this guy yet, so – um, if you just want to go into detail, my man, let's hit it off. Absolutely. Uh, I think I'm like a lot of people that are surprised that they apparently have made a decision this quickly. Uh, you know, there's talk of there being a national search and uh, whatnot, but it sounds like Yeski Bailey and uh, Mitch Canham were the folks that they've interviewed, and they've apparently the rumors are they've pulled the trigger and it'll be uh, Mitch Canham, uh, which uh, he was – you know, kind of a well, very much a Oregon State legend back around in you know, the uh, 2005, six, seven run uh, catcher, first round draft pick, but uh, was a lot like Jonathan Smith in that when he was playing, he was one of those guys that you could tell when time was 
done with his playing career, he was absolutely going to be a coach. Super high character guy, amazing team leadership, uh, you know, smart guy, graduated with honors and whatnot. So um, it's an interesting hire because he has no college experience. Uh, but he's been rocketing through the uh, Mariners minor league organization uh, over the last four years, been incredibly successful there. So I, it's an interesting hire. I think it long-term is going to be a good hire, um, but it's maybe not a safe hire, it, uh, uh, you know, luring somebody like maybe an Andrew Checkets away from uh, uh, Cal Santa Barbara. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of the thumbnail sketch on it from at least what we know now. So, Jeff, I know everybody wants to know, with Coach Cannon coming back to Oregon State, is he also going to have a new rendition of O-State Ballers, and will we see Mitchie Slick in the dugout? (laughs) Uh, Geez, um, I guess we can hope, uh, but perhaps (laughs) not. uh, His wrapping days may be over, but, you know, you never say never. True, true. So, what do you think? I know it's probably really early. Um, do you think that Mitch Canham, do you think he might be looking to bring in fresh blood into the coaching staff to surround him with? Or do you feel like is there a possibility that Coach Yeski, Coach Bailey, Coach Jenkins could be retained? Or does he maybe look to bring in somebody like Kevin Gunderson to coach the, the pitching staff? You know, that's going to be really interesting um, to see. I, I think – I would think he's going to would want to keep at least one of those three uh, existing coaches, Bailey Esky or, uh, or Jenkins, if um, you know, they're willing to stay just to have some, a little bit of continuity and uh, just somebody that's got experience at the college level. Um, you know, Yeski, I, I'm not sure how many openings are still out there that, um, you know, he may have his hat in the, in the ring. You know, he's going to be a head coach sooner than later. If it's not next season, uh, it'll be the season after that. Uh, so I don't know that he's, you know, by not getting the head coaching job, I don't know that he's got a long-term future at Oregon State, even if he's back next year. Um, you know, and, yeah, I've heard Kevin Gunderson's name. He would uh, – uh, certainly be an interesting option um, as a, uh, a pitching coach. Uh, but, but uh, geez, it, it, all this has just happened so fast. And, uh, you know, which of those guys would want to stay, which of them, you know, kind of meshes with what Mitch envisions, you know, his staff looking like. Uh, boy, it's just too too soon to really say. Definitely. So true. I appreciate your insight there just in general. You know, you're one of the most knowledgeable people about Beaver baseball in the business. So um, maybe quick recap. What did you, about this last season, what do you think kind of led to the, the I don't want to call it a tailspin towards the end of the year, but where do you think they went from such a high at the beginning of the season to, you know, kind of ending on a skid there? Well, tailspin's actually a real good term for it. Um, yeah, you know, they started out and they were winning 70% of their games through the first few months of the season, and then they, you know, went 5-10 and 10 down the stretch and, you know, really went out with a whimper. Um, it, it, 
the whole season in some ways is just mystifying. Uh, a lot of the returning guys, uh, Zach Taylor, Malone, Armstrong, uh, Joe Casey, all those guys, I really thought were going to be solid, steady contributors. And, you know, it just didn't pan out. And down the stretch, uh, you know, we just couldn't hit. And all year long, uh, you know, the school record, it's an astronomical rate striking out. And, which is even more puzzling because it's not like we had a whole bunch of guys that were just swinging for the fences and, you know, would be typically prone to strike it out a lot. Um, yeah. What happened? I mean, I, I've, I've just been puzzled by that all along and I've, I've really got no answer for you. Yeah. Well, too true. Hopefully they can, uh, you know, coach Tannum coming on staff now kind of right the ship quote unquote. I mean, I think just looking back over the last handful of years for where Oregon State baseball, the levels of achievement that they had achieved over the last few years, really being able to live up to that same standards was unrealistic, in my opinion. So I, you don't want to call a year where you make it to the postseason, um, you know, a down year. But I guess when you compare it to the last few years, that's kind of what it was. But do you feel like, you know, moving forward that they're going to have an opportunity to get back to Omaha in the, the near future or Super Regionals? Or how do you feel that the core base of this team um, is built upon? Some of it will be interesting to see if, uh, you know, like I said, if he decides to return, um, I, you know, just – getting guys healthy. If Verberg really is healthy to start the year, uh, how soon Kevin Abel comes back? You know, those are a lot of questions, but, uh, you know, I love the upside of Jake Fennings. Uh, Month was really, he impressed me as uh, the guy that really improved the most of anybody to, to really at a kind of a surprising degree in my mind uh, for a guy that started out the year barely used at all and really became kind of a key piece for us so uh, there's a lot of a lot of talent there returning and some good uh, you know incoming recruits so I, you know they it's hard to say i don't think they're an omaha team next year necessarily but you know they should very much be making a run you know to get into the tournament and you know then you you never know what happens from there but uh you know the one thing pat casey always talked about that he wanted to do more than anything was just build Oregon State to the point that it could sustain itself once he left. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the facilities and the reputation, and, you know, he did that in spades. So, uh, you know, the program is in great shape. Excellent. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us on the Dan Recruiting Podcast here this afternoon. We'll definitely be having you back on uh, more towards probably with all balls get started here late this summer. Oh, I'd love to do it. Thanks for having me on, guys. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. I think Jeff just took my spot. And now I'm, <laughs> now I'm a little upset. I think he did. But <laughs> anyways, yeah, Jeff, <laughs> hey, thank you so much, my man, for hopping on. We really appreciate it. Hey, anytime. Thanks, guys. Go Beavs. Right. Go Beavs. Thanks, Jeff. Our next guest on the damn hotline is none other, as I always say, than my boss, Miss Angie Machado. Angie, how you doing today? 
awesome to be on with you guys again. You know, I am out waiting for baseball game here. So I have a kiddo playing baseball. He thinks he's the next Adley Rutschman. And, uh, yeah, so that's we, what we're doing. That's we, what doing this. Today. We were just talking about this off air because, um, Adley did just win the Golden Spikes, if I am correct. Um, yeah. And first of all, congrats to Adley. As everyone knows, it's crazy the fact that I didn't, you know, half our football team didn't even know how good he was at baseball. Um, I had no idea. I'm not going to lie because Adley's just kind of like a laid back, quiet dude. There's a couple times he would get excited, but for the most part, he was just kind of like a goofy, funny dude. And then all of a sudden, I get on Twitter after, you know, obviously him being the first-round draft pick, and this is what I want to ask. How many baseball awards are there? Because there has to be at least, like, 30. Because every single day, I I'm, I put this on everything. Every day for the past month, I've woke up, and I'm not kidding, it's really felt like they're like, and Adley wins this award, and this award, and this award. Oh, Andy also won this award. And Baseball.com, D1Baseball.com, the Golden Spikes. Andy's I was the like, number one draft pick. And yeah. made $10 million signing dollars. Yeah, I was like, where? okay, like if there was maybe like five or six awards, maybe that'd be more reasonable. I don't know, maybe. Maybe a little more, but I mean, I there has to be, there's probably like 50. Maybe I'm wrong, but I may, I'm probably over-exaggerating, but it's crazy. Anyways. That being said, Angie, I think we'll. Uh, Marcus's rant of the day. That was my rant. I just want. I just want to know. I really have no idea because I'm like playing catch up with like getting super into baseball, and I, I mean, obviously, it's super cool that Adley, you know, was a first round draft pick. He wins all these awards, but I'm just like, has he hit a point where he's just like, can I just relax for a second? Like, can I just chill? Exactly. I mean, but but think about this for Oregon State. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. This is, I mean, this is as big as probably Terry Baker back in the day. I mean, Adley is that big of a, you know, this is a once in a generation type player that, you know, we all just got to to watch. Yeah. And, you know, I got to, uh, um, you know, I got to run down on the field with him when he would kick off football. So, you know, I feel pretty special. (laughs) And let me tell you guys, yeah, he was a damn good kicker. And, and Marcus, you're going to tell your grandkids one of those days someday down way down the road, like, "Hey, that Adley Rutschman, I used to play football with him." Oh no, I, I'll say he used to play football with me. Come on, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> to your kid, to your kids, you have to be the cool one, or your grandkids. Come on, I can't be like, "Yeah, I'm I'm that dude's biggest fan." I mean, even though I I might be now, sure. but. Right. <laughs> uh, anyways, <laughs> what were you going to say, Adam? I don't even know. <laughs> we we kept cutting you off. Hey. Well, you know, oh, I remember. He's not even just like a, a um, in-state, you know, a local legend. He has really morphed into a national player, recognizable player. I mean, he's getting compared to being the next Bryce Harper type impact player. I mean, that's pretty phenomenal, in my opinion. Yeah, so, super phenomenal. And that's, what, that's why I say it's crazy. Sherwood. Yeah, that's and what that's, I'm saying. That's, that's the craziest that's thing. That's my five words for the next ten minutes. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's switch over to this. Since we have the boss man here, and we got to keep her happy, we know one of her favorite players of all time is Mr. James Rogers, and it looked like he is back on the Oregon State staff. So, Angie, let's talk about that real quick. You know, first of all, just overall, how big do you think that is just for Coach Smith and his staff? Oh, it's huge. And if you remember Beaver Blitz, you know I've been pretty um, vocal about the need to get him back on staff. 
um, for recruiting purposes more than anything. You know, he his I, I believe he's in the same role as he was before he left to join uh, Coach Riley down in the AAF um, San Antonio League. So he is, I don't know the exact title, but really he is um, a personnel manager, director for like freshmen, incoming students. So he helps mentor all those new freshmen, make sure they're you know going to class, make sure they're doing all the things they need to do and, and kind of be there for them. But also it's, what people forget is that he's on campus when these kids come in for visits. And so just to have him um, and then you have guys like Brian Watkins, Mike Doctor. You know, they played at Oregon State. They're young. They identify with these players. Um, and then, you know, with the Texas connections, I mean, I can't even tell you how many guys have, have talked about just, you know, meeting James and how cool that is. So um, it, it's huge. I, I'm really happy for Oregon State that they were able to find a way to get him back in the mix because it truly does make Oregon State staff better. No, it really does. And I just know, like you were saying, Angie, just for – uh, not even people from Texas, but I remember when uh, James Rogers came when I was playing, right? And he would just show up, kind of show his face, especially when Coach Riley was there. He was able to come talk to us um, a couple times. And I was, like, starstruck. I was like, this is James Rogers. Like, this is the dude who basically, like, brought the fly sweep into existence, like, in college football. Like, it's yeah. just it's it's crazy yeah. to have somebody like him um, kind of not at disposal because that sounds bad, but just, you know, just – basically to have him around, especially to have him around consistently now that he's back on the staff. I mean, I'm sure anyone from Texas, half the people you hear talk about Oregon State that are from Texas, just like Zariah said, he was like, man, James Rogers went there, or James Rogers is there. Like, that's huge. Like, yeah. I always yeah, looked up to James it's, Rogers. And just, and, and just the the fact that it just brings more, I mean, I, James or Coach Smith is really trying to bring that culture. And to have some of these former players back in the mix, I mean, you have Coach Bray, you have Coach Smith, um, and then you know, to have some of these guys that are back. I mean, and then you it, you take into account what it does from an alumni perspective and keeping that um, all those former players that played. It keeps that family feeling there. Um, it keeps those guys involved. It keeps them wanting to come back. And you know, and they you know, hopefully it keeps them wanting to help donate money if they if that's you know part of the thing and keeping them you know involved with talking to the players, mentoring guys. Just that whole family brotherhood that um, Coach Smith is trying to build. I think Alexis Stern is another one. Having him around the program is just—it's kind of you know having those guys from when you know ten years ago when Oregon State was on the upswing, having them around and having that winning mentality around the program too. It, I think, it'll help turn around the program that much faster. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I mean, we've heard Coach Smith talk about that, you know, and he talks about you know how he's been there and he's been there when it's been on the upswing coach cook is i mean they've all been there they know what it can be like so um you know they like i said they add that instant credibility um that it can happen yeah they and not only do they add that but you know i think a lot of people are starting to buy into the vision and starting to see kind of um if anything it kind of looks like oregon state is turning the corner a little bit it sounds like they are um, in a way, I, I guess I should say, with recruiting, because it just feels different now, right? It feels like now that social, the, you know, the coaches are more interactive on social media, especially Coach Smith, right? Every time he has tweeted, "Damn right," it's, you know, it's been a commit, and we'll get to that in a second. But Angie, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it because I think Adam and I talked about this um, just on Monday actually, just how interesting it is now and how cool it is to see a coach that's, you know, he's coming out with funny tweets like, you know, I, fi- you know, I found my password 
to my Twitter or something like that, right? Just joking around, but just being interactive now. And he has the damn right tweet every time we get a commitment. You know, there's obviously people like us for Beaver Blitz and all around that's like, oh, okay, what does this mean? You know, the bat signal, as Adam would say, right? And I always love seeing that. I think that's hilarious. But just in general, you know, it, I think it's something that's super huge. And, and, you know, if you're an Oregon State fan, you should start to get extremely excited because, you know, not only are you know, us in the media starting to see it, but the kids are starting to see it. That's why I think we're getting these commitments. And um, some people are, you know, they're surprised, right? They, they're like, well, what? All of a sudden, Oregon State's just, you know, getting these commits. Like Co- uh, Coach Smith and his staff are all of a sudden turning the corner, and it's because I think it's finally starting to come together, and all the pieces are starting to come together. But Angie, let's just get your quick thoughts on, you know, how impactful you think that has been as of lately. Oh, it's been big, and, you know, it's been a really busy few days. I mean, like Adam has been down um, to Corvallis the past two Sundays. The staff for camps, the, the staff is on the road starting tomorrow. They have camps down in California. There's Northern California satellite camp, and then down Southern California that the staff will be at. But, gosh, we saw, what did we see? We saw three commitments on Saturday, two guys that will be instant impact guys here, you know, immediately. You know, that 6-4 six six corner, um, Nashon Wright is, that's exciting. That should be super exciting for Beaver fans. And then um, Kyrie Fisher, the Arkansas transfer, is big. And then today we saw um, the transfer of punter um, Caleb Lightborn from Nebraska. So huge leg on that kid. Adam saw him at camp hey, on Sunday and texted me. About i got to talk about Caleb Lightborn. All right. So full disclosure, you guys will be hearing from myself and Lucas later on in the podcast. And we actually recorded that last night. And I had a little talk about Lightborn, but I'm going to talk about him again. This kid is bigger than half the, the linebackers that were at this camp. I had to text Angie in the middle of it and was like, there's a punter out here who is 6'3", 240, and he's putting like 65-yard bombs, turning them over. Who Jeez. is this kid? <laughs> yeah, yeah. so he and, just announced his transfer today. Now, his um, status, I just did um, confirm this, that he is coming as a transfer right now. So he actually played as a true freshman in 2016, because of that tragic car accident death of their punter at Nebraska Sam Holt. So he was kind of forced into action as a true freshman, played um, 2016 and 17, and then lost his starting job midway through last season. Um, and then right after spring camp announced that he was transferring. So he does have a red shirt. So if he does need to um, you know, sit out this year with transfer rules, he will have a red shirt. Although I believe he is working on trying to get a waiver. Now, I don't know how he's going to get that waiver. That doesn't seem like a slam dunk to me, like a Kyrie Fisher one seems slam dunk because of the coaching change there. But um, it, for any reason, that, that's the plan there. Um, and then we also got the, I, like I said, on my, before I left for Forest Grove, we were out in Forest Grove. So if anybody's listening and wants to come watch the baseball, that's where I'll be. Um, <laughs> the bat, single, bat signal went out again. So um, we're actually expecting a commitment here tonight between about 5.15 and 5.45. So um, be on the lookout for that. The bat so signal. So twelve minutes. Be glued to your yeah your computers. It, yeah, although it, you probably <laughs> won't listen to this until later tonight. So you know. Yeah, but that's okay, right? It'll be fine. At least <laughs> at, at least they know that we're we're keeping up with it. Hey, yeah. we'll have it up on Beaverbrook. That's for sure. But I always promise these guys that I will never ever ever let you know let it out before they they commit. So. Um, It'll be a fun one. It was really a pleasure to interview this this young man, and um, I think Beaver Nation is really going to get behind him, and, and it'll be exciting. 
Yeah, it, I think I just in general with all of this, you know, all of the, I, I don't want to say hype because, you know, if anything, it's kind of just improvement. And Angie, we yeah. used to talk on the original damn podcast about what we always want to see and kind of what the staff has been about is improvement. But we're starting, we're finally starting to see it. Excuse me. And, you know, it's kind of, and I said, I said it on Monday, it's just refreshing. It's refreshing to sit back and say, okay, you know, especially let me tell you guys, being a host of a podcast for somebody trying to convince you guys that, you know, it's <laughs> the good times are coming, <laughs> but we, you know, we we're kind of missing out on the good times for a little bit. Right. But now I think, more recruits are coming in, right? More people are committing. More people are seeing it. We're getting some really great talent, you know, let alone from transfers. But just in general, picking up guys from JUCO, um, picking up, obviously, high school guys. That All of this is – I feel like it's, start, uh, you know, it's starting to come together. And I think the staff notices well, that we as well. See, yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I think you guys would agree with me that we really see Coach Smith's vision. We see what he's trying to do. You know, he's not going out just grabbing a JUCO – He's grabbing JUCOs that have three years eligibility. Yeah. Um, Tyree Fisher, for example, that was a kid that I think most people thought was a 2020 JUCO kid. Mm-hmm. And Oregon State kind of dug around. Um, and all of a sudden, it's like, no, he's eligible now. He's a transfer. Let's blue shirt him. So that's, you know, you, you don't bring him in on an official visit and you don't do a home visit on him. So he basically comes in as an unrecruited walk on and then earns a scholarship. Um, so there's, they're getting creative, they're being smart. And uh, it, it's going to pay pay dividends, you know. I think everybody's hoping, but I, I like it. I, I like what we're seeing. Can I think back to a conversation that I had with somebody close to the program when Coach Smith first came on, and he was blown away at how intricate and precise Coach Smith was in detailing his overall picture and his recruiting plan. It was something like he had never heard or seen before and was taken aback by it all and i really think we're starting to see the fruits of that that overall overarching plan come together right now and it's, well you know what i want to bring up one one quick point because i i was talking to someone recently about this and so I, i'm what i what i like is that coach smith is sticking to his guns and he's not panicking and throwing offers out to tweeners or guys that really aren't D1 talent like we've seen coaches in the past do. Um, I know there's been talk, there's some local Oregon kids who would love to have an Oregon State offer, but right now, Coach Smith is not there thinking that they're Pac-12 players. And in the past, we would have seen Coach Riley, oh gosh, you're such a good kid, I'm just going to offer you. Um, mm-hmm. And Coach Smith is sticking to his guns and, and not doing it. Not that he doesn't like the kid, it's just that he need, he knows what he needs to do, and he knows the type of talent that he needs to turn this thing around. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Well, I mean, it's I, – I, I just think, in a way, the way that Coach Smith has been doing it is kind of what's surprising me. And I wasn't trying to kind of get choked up right there, but I was just trying to explain – because um, you're right, Angie. I think a lot of the times we've seen sometimes even – you know, obviously I'm not going to say any names, but even when we would play sometimes, right, and you have guys on the team that you're like – well, you don't know how to you don't know how to jump cut, for example, if you're a running back, then then what are you doing? Right? This is division one. We can't we can't be giving out, you know, basically offers or spots on the team for you guys. You can't cover a wheel route. Yes. Right, Marcus? We, oh my goodness. You know, and I talked about that Monday. I did, and we got some guys that can cover wheel routes now. So I don't think I'll have to rip out my hair because my hairline's starting to go back because how much I rip out my hair watching games sometimes. But um I think it's getting better. 
especially defensively. I think defensively we're going to see um, a lot of improvement. So instead of – I guess we can, we can go out on this, Angie. Uh, I know there's still a lot of time, and, you know, people walking on campus basically putting on a uniform doesn't mean anything's going to change, honestly. But just let, let's talk about it a little bit. So we get some new talent. Defensively, some guys um, I would say have improved a lot. Do you think we see yeah. – you know, major strides defensively. And I'm, when I say major strides, I'm talking like instead of us giving up, what do we get? We give up like 50 points a game. I'm talking like you give up 30 to 20. Um, I know that's kind of a stretch. I hope so. That was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's going to be hard, but I don't think it's completely out of the question. I uh-huh. mean, you know, I, I my, what I've been kind of saying to people is I'm thinking four wins and maybe we surprise a couple of you know, people. I, I don't know if this year – if 2019 is a full season, but, you know, moving forward, I, I, I think they're getting the pieces. And I think the defense is going to be vastly improved and surprise a lot of people. Mm-hmm. What about you, Adam? What you got? You know, I think right now four to six wins is right where they're going to be this next fall. And I think you just see you see the, the offense continue to take continue to take that next step into becoming an upper echelon offense. And I think – you really start to see Coach Tibbetar's defensive philosophy, overarching defensive philosophy, come to light, and I see. I think you see improved play on that side of the ball as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's still we're playing with a bunch of underclassmen still, and I think that um, there'll be instances where that you yeah. know rears its ugly head. Yeah, so, yeah. But all in all, I think I think it's something that you can get behind and see growth and potential for the future. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and I, you know, I think just in general, defensively, I, I would say that they're going to do better. I have no doubt in my mind that they'll be better because uh, if they, I don't think I have enough patience, and I don't think I have enough hair for them to be as bad as they were last season. Um, because I'm telling you guys, I, I almost rip it out every time, uh, but that's okay. But anyways, you know, I, I seriously think they do make some, some big improvements. I mean, half the time. And when I say improvements, I'm talking half the time you just have to, you know, wrap up or make a tackle or do something extremely basic as a defensive player. Just like a running back, if you have to jump cut and you can't, then what are you doing on the field, right? And so that's why I'm saying that's why I think we will see improvement with when it comes to, you know, tackling an open field or wrapping up or group tackling or whatever it is. I think they'll start to do those things. I really do. And I think they've put in that extra work, which we've been seeing, but you know, we could always we could always sugarcoat it, which I'm not. So I I wouldn't say we're gonna see, you know, go from fifty, you know, giving up fifty points to giving up maybe twenty, but I can certainly see them being um, you know, if they're gonna they I certainly think they'll win some games, but I think they'd be close, you know, thirty seven to thirty one or um kind of more scores like that. So I would say expect more thirties, not more fifties. So that's good. But on that note, yeah, yeah. we'll get you out, Angie, because we know you know you got hey. some baseball to watch. And you I, got I know some I've stuff got to, to wait do. for. A, I, I know One, I've there's baseball stuff out there, and then this commit that's coming. I need to, to go get ready to to post that out. Yeah, go hey, get one that. last thing before you do go. We're gonna circle back around to uh, Adley's accomplishments, and I got to give a shout out to Prime Dog. I've been in the lodge here checking this out. He might have post of the year. Talking about Adley hey. says most decorated player ever, number one draft pick. Pac-12 Player of the Year, Pac-12 Co-Defensive Player of the Year, Pac-12 Batting Title, First Team, D1 Baseball Player of the Year, Baseball American Player of the Year, 
perfect game player of the year, king of the Andals, in first men, breaker of chains, mother of dragons, <laughs> you know, with the, the whole uh, the whole Game of Thrones Game of Thrones reference. There. I like that. So yeah, yeah. No, he he's pretty special, and uh, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty cool, um, and just an overall awesome kid. Uh, you know, awesome young Definitely. man. Yeah, he probably so, could have no, taken well, my position. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> yeah, thank no, it's, you. It's yeah, pretty sweet to be on, and uh, like I said, there's lots to talk about. And baseball, so I've spent the past hour driving to Forest Grove, so I need to catch up on this, the baseball. So, you know, coaching search is getting, I think, coming down to a close, and uh, i gotta, I got to read up on that before – before I, I miss anything. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't. we don't mean to tell you nothing crazy, but you missed it, so that's okay. Okay. Well, see, that's what happens. <laughs> All right. Well, you win some and you lose some. We'll, we'll let you go be a mom, Angie. So um, thank, you, yeah. thank you so much, Angie, for hopping on. We really appreciate it. I, I get to be a mom at the baseball game, but um, breaking commitments while I'm here. So that is the beauty of my job. Yeah. At least you're killing it, it though. could be worse. You could be on vacation again. Yeah, yeah, that happens. Worse. Commitments yeah, break when I'm on vacation. So, nope, I'm just at a baseball game. That's the beauty of cell phones. <laughs> Makes my life so much easier. And then Marcus will have a breakdown on this young man's film. Yes. Hopefully shortly. I sure will. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you so Thanks, much, Angel. We appreciate it. All righty. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Damn Hotline. Joining us today, we have Beaver Blitz recruiting analyst and in-state recruiting specialist, Lucas Aguilar. Lucas, making your debut here on the Damn Recruiting Podcast, man. Welcome. How you doing? Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. I'm doing great. I'm doing a lot better now that I've made my debut on the podcast, and I'm just really glad to be here. So, hey, so we're having you on. We want to talk about kind of the uh, the camps that we both gotten to take in over the last two, three weeks or so. Um, I was at the, both the half-day camps over at Oregon State on campus uh, on June 2nd and June 9th, and I do believe you were able to take in two of the larger camps here in the Pacific Northwest and the Northwest Best Showcase and the Northwest Showcase. Did I get that right? Yes. Yeah, they are uh, very similar names, but they're completely two different camps. Uh, the first one I went to in the early morning session was at Lewis and Clark, the Northwest Best Showcase. A uh, little bit of a smaller camp, probably 200 to 250 kids there. Um, a lot of kids from Washington. Um, if anybody follows 7 on 7, Tracy Ford's FSP team, um, he got basically his whole entire group of kids down um, that are looking to kind of make a uh, – a burst on the recruiting scene for the 2020, 2021, and 2022 kids. A uh, lot of really good talent out there, a lot of in-state kids that I saw as well. Oregon State had their full staff out there as well as a few uh, graduate assistants as well. Um, big, big time evaluation period where you see a lot of kids are able to pick up offers. I know Utah State and Nevada were two schools that were very, very active during the day that offered quite a few different kids. Probably the most impressive kid that I saw during the day, and I know I'm going to butcher his name, but his name is Alfonsi Oyak. And I apologize, Alfonsi, if I butchered your name, but he was definitely the most impressive kid that I saw at the showcase. He's like a 6'3", 185-pound, three-star cornerback, um, goes to Kentwood High School. 
And while he was out there going through one-on-one drills and different reps against a very diverse group of receivers, he had multiple interceptions on the day. I probably saw him only give up one reception off of a very short route. But other than that, he looks to be one of the uh, premier lockdown corners in the state of Washington. Um, from there, about two and a half, close to three hours at that camp. From there, I traveled over to Pacific University in Forest Grove, Oregon, where I saw the uh, Northwest Showcase. And this was a much larger showcase. Uh, when I showed up, I heard that there were probably over 600 kids there in attendance from 12 to 15 different states. I actually talked to one kid who was actually visiting all the way from Georgia, another kid from Alaska and Hawaii. They've got a very uh, bigger group of kids, a much more diverse group of kids at all different positions. I didn't get a chance to check out the offensive and defensive linemen when they were going through the one-on-one reps, um, but I know Brandon Huffman had a great piece on 24-7 that you can check out at any time. But for the kids that I saw that were most impressive to me and that really stood out to me, uh, Keith Brown was definitely the highlight of the entire group that was there, especially the linebacker group. I didn't get the chance to talk to him one-on-one, but he had coaches following him all over the place, Oregon coaches, Washington coaches, Oregon State coaches, Washington State coaches. Anywhere he went from drill to drill, any field that he was on, he had uh, a coach's eyes on him at all times, and they were constantly pulling him out of drills and chatting with him about uh, just different things that he could improve on as well as different, uh, you know, future plans that he might have for uh, an official visit. From there, uh, probably say the best performance that I saw on offense came from a local kid, Jalen John, from Lake Ridge High School out of Lake Oswego, uh, Oregon. He had different reps on offense. He took some out receiver, actually, because that's something that he's been wanting to improve on uh, in his game. That way you can kind of show people that, hey, I'm not uh, a, a guy that can take 20, 25 touches um, out of the backfield. He's a guy that can be used in a lot of different varieties. Um, he also took multiple uh, reps at running back. He had a lot of different coaches that he talked with during the day, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Tennessee, uh, Washington State as well. Um, he was probably the biggest offensive target that I saw in the 2020 class as far as uh, priority for the Beavers while I was there. Uh, he told me after the camp that he is looking to set up all of his official visits, uh, probably just one for the summertime as he's got one locked in for June 21st uh, to the University of Arizona. Then from there, he said he wants to take the remainder four official visits to schools outside of his home state and probably take those to Nebraska and USC and Utah. Um, he's still trying to figure out all the rest of those, but he is working on getting back to Oregon State, hopefully before the end of this month as well. And as of right now, I'd probably say that Oregon State are his leaders. Um, I've maintained that opinion and that uh, mindset since last October where I saw him in a game where he went for 277 rushing yards and he totally demolished Tiger High School's offense, or defense, excuse me, and I talked with him after the game and he said Oregon State is a school that's been on him the hardest ever since they offered him 
uh, over a full year ago. And so I would say that the Beavers are in the driver's seat for him. Lastly, last kid I wanted to touch on, 2022 wide receiver from Westview High School, Darius Clemens. After the Northwest Showcase, he picked up an offer from the University of Nevada. Uh, from there, he had a conversation with uh, Coach Heinsohn after the camp was over, probably three hours after the camp was over that very day, and he got an invite to Oregon State that following Monday morning. He took the unofficial on Monday morning with his dad and with his uh, 7-on-7 coach, Houston Lillard, who many know is Damian Lillard's older brother. And from that visit, he picked up uh, his first Pac-12 offer and says that as of right now, regardless of all the other schools that have been in communication with his parents, he says that Oregon State is definitely the one that he has the best relationship with because his relationship with Vince Ginta is probably a three or four year uh, uh, history between the two and the family. And I'd probably say that he's got the the feel of Oregon State being home and being the best place where he can develop his game. So I'd, I'd look for him to kind of rack up a lot more offers during this summer and to be probably one of, if not top three early favorite for uh, top prospect in the 2022 class in the state of Oregon. So perfect, dude. Hey, that's some great information there. Um, you know, Jalen John, I think is a tremendous athlete as well. And um, I'm really excited to see kind of how things progress with him. I know um, it seemed like things might have fallen off there for a minute with Oregon State in his recruitment. Um, but it, it's encouraging to hear that definitely things have picked back up, and especially in Oregon State's favor. Um, I think that's great. And definitely looking ahead to Darius Clemens, I agree with you. I think he's going to be um, – I don't want to go out and say a four-star right now. I think it's a little too early to – project that from what I've seen, but definitely a real player who's going to get multiple Pac-12 offers. Um, now, you said that you saw an athlete from Alaska. Um, I did as well at uh, the camp at, on June 2nd down in Corvallis, the OSU half-day camp, yep. and Alani Makaili um, from Westside. I pronounce his name. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, a kid's a great kid. He's one of those kids that uh, – he doesn't have an offer yet from Oregon State. I know he's on the watch list, and if they decide to start um, extending some more offers to go along with Cooper Darling, who's already on the uh, the um, the commit list for Oregon State, um, if they decide to start set, you know getting more offers out there for interior linemen, I know a lot he's on the short list. But just a great kid. I feel like Beaver Nation would definitely get the high. He's Really big, six three, six four, three thirty, easy. Um, he really stood out to me on the second there. He was just a brick wall. I mean, there was he won every rep, and I do believe he, he was a top five finalist at the Northwest Showcase for offensive lineman recognized there. Yes, he was. I know he camped down at UNLV this last weekend and was named one of their top linemen. Um, I really feel like if he was down here in the lower forty eight rather than up in Anchorage, he'd probably probably be a double-digit offer guy right now. Um, but for Beaver fans well, who are recruiting. Thomas Hill, right? Uh, not teammates, I don't believe. I do believe uh, Thomas went to – he didn't go to West, I don't think. 
um, but they are definitely okay. friends um, and know one another. It's a very tight-knit community. I've talked to them about that on a couple different occasions as far as, you know, what is it like playing football up in Alaska and what, how would you uh, describe the game? And he thinks that, you know, you take, you take his league up there in Anchorage and you transplant it into a CIF league down in California and, you know, they'd be able to hold their own. Um, but it's a very tight-knit community as well. Um, they, he said himself, hey, they grow them big up in Alaska. They're poly boys up there. And it's true. I think so. That guy is just solid. And so is Thomas Sio. I think, I think it's just so far off the beaten path that not a lot of college coaches get out there to actively assess and actively recruit athletes from up there. But hey, if they don't want to, I know Coach Mahalashek will and, you know, hopefully that plays out well for the bees. Um, but really, I was really impressed with the quality of offensive linemen that uh, Coach Mahalashek was able to get onto campus over the last two weekends. Um, Makahili is one. Uh, Aiden Finney, who's an offensive lineman who holds an Oregon State offer currently out of uh, Pleasant Valley High School down in California. These were his first offer. He definitely lived up to expectations when I got to see him um, just this last Sunday out there at camp compete and push around guys and stuff. But another offensive tackle that really jumped off the page to me, and I know you got to see him too, was uh, Springfield's own Grant Stark. I yep. think he's the uh, number three recruit for the state of Oregon for the 2020 cycle. Uh, his recruitment's kind of – He had a big jump. Yes, he did. I think he was outside of the top 12 initially, and then this last reassessment, he jumped up um, up above John Miller and Junior Walling and some of – the other, well, maybe not Junior Walling. I'm going off the top of my head here. But definitely he's up in that top three for best player in the state for this 2020 cycle. And his recruiting just hasn't really jumped off as far as offers. I think a lot of teams are starting to take that kind of wait-and-see approach with him as he goes into his first four games, as he continues to actually through the, the camp circuit this summer and into the first four games of his senior year. Um, but I know you are able to see him. What did you like about Grant Stark? Uh, well, I mean, I was chatting with Brandon Huffman, and I was going to interrupt you, but I was going to – you were doing so well, man, I didn't want to <laughs> cut you off. But he did pick up uh, a pretty big offer from the University of Nevada uh, the day before the Nose to Rush Showcase. Uh, so that's kind of – you know, it gets him on the recruiting scene, um, 6'5", 285. Uh, I was looking through 24-7's position – or the state rankings, and he's a guy that's made a pretty big jump, and now he's up to number four in the state of Oregon in the 2020 class. Um, like you said, above guys like John Miller, uh, Junior Walling, Jalen John, I mean, he's kind of blown up uh, with some impressive uh, camp circuits over, uh, let's just say, the entire spring and now, you know, early in, into the summer. He's a guy that is pleased with a lot of physicality. Uh, he doesn't really worry about who's across from him. He's just a guy that uh, wants to work hard and wants to uh, perform the best he possibly can for his teammates. Obviously, it's a little bit different when he's going through these different one-on-one drills. Uh, but he had a lot of guys watching him. Uh, Oregon, Oregon State. Uh, I know Washington State was watching him a little bit. Nevada, obviously. Utah State. Uh, just a bunch of different coaches that were really impressed with his physicality. Um, and his overall, I guess, football IQ where he knows how to beat a guy and he knows how to um, pancake him, I guess is the best terminology I can use, is that he he knows how to use his strengths and he knows how to use his weight to his advantage, um, even if the guy is a little bit taller than him or is a little bit faster than him. 
he knows how to use uh, what he's working with to his advantage. And I think he would be probably my favorite guy to pick up an offer from Oregon State uh, from within the state of Oregon in the 2025. Um, if not now, I'd probably say, you know, give it a, a few games during his senior season with, uh, with Thurston High School. Um, then from there, we'll kind of see and evaluate where he's at in his recruitment. I wouldn't be surprised if he picked up some more offers, maybe from uh, some Mountain West schools, maybe like a Hawaii or UNLV, uh, maybe even a Boise State, since Boise State was at the showcase as well, and they were watching him. Uh, but he's just a really solid frame kid that is easily the number one offensive tackle uh, in the state of Oregon, in my opinion, and a guy that I could see definitely picking up a few Pac-12 offers before his senior season is done. I agree, and I know he was getting a long look from uh, Coach Mahalachek, Coach Payne, the offensive line graduate assistant for the Bees, uh, Coach Smith, Derek Ray, the recruiting on-campus recruiting coordinator for the Bees. All of them were taking a long look at the offensive line, uh, specifically Grant Stark when he was taking reps, Alani Makahili when he was taking reps, and uh, another athlete who actually picked up a, an offer shortly after um, the camp on the second uh, in Talisi Suaga. I think they call him Sully. I do believe this is his nickname, but he was very impressive as yeah, well. Yeah. He just had he had more of the measurables, and I know he picked up an offer from Oregon and I think Nevada uh, the day before at the uh, Northwest Showcase or the Northwest Best Showcase, whichever one he was at. Um, but definitely those three were kind of the top uh, offensive linemen that I saw um, on the second, Aiden Finney there on the ninth, uh, Bailey, Bailey Yaramilo um, was also in attendance on the ninth. He's a 2021 prospect out of Lake Oswego. Um, also stood out. He played well. But kind of transitioning off the, uh, the guys down in the trenches, some of the names that I saw who really stood out to me at skill positions, um, Max Lindsay played well. I think he's probably not going to be an offer guy for the Bees, though. I think just his, his, his measurables don't line up for what the Bees are looking for right now. Um, but looking outside of that, somebody who I think the Bees probably are going to target here as the summer months come about, Jalen Clark was a guy who's really jumped off the page at me, not only because of his measurables. He's 6'3", 180 right now. Uh, Colorado's his own offer. But his desire to improve. He was one of the hardest-working guys out there on the night, uh, always getting out there to be first in, first in reps and taking multiple reps and really trying to get out in front of Coach Adams and show him what he was all about. And I know Coach Adams really came away impressed not only with his skill level but also his work ethic. Um, he was constantly, you know, giving him props for taking good reps. And that was one of the things that Coach Adams was – you know, he, he's quickly becoming one of my favorite coaches to watch. Um, he's just so animated out there when he's coaching, you know, getting after guys for catching the ball. But, you know, when they make a mistake, he's all over them. But he's also all over them when they take a good rep um, and doing things well. So Jalen Clark is my guy to watch for the DBs out of the uh, camp on the ninth. Um, I know you've been able to see Jalen play a couple times as well. Uh, what's kind of your thoughts on Jalen? Uh, well, I mean, position of athlete, honestly, is my opinion of him. Uh, from his seven-on-seven seven, uh, tournaments that I've seen him at, he's kind of a guy that you can plug and play at a bunch of different positions, uh, quarterback, safety, 
Uh, I know he's got some reps at wide receiver. They don't use running back uh, in seven on seven, but he's definitely a guy where you could put him on offense or defense. I truly think his best position is going to be quarterback or safety, uh, depending on how he kind of bulks up during his uh, uh, this summer and then his senior year. Uh, 24-7 has him listed as like 6'3", 190. Uh, I might say that's a little generous. I think he kind of slimmed down in the offseason just a little bit. Um, but from there, yeah, he's a guy that I had my eye on for probably over a year now when I saw him for the first time uh, last spring, actually, at, uh, at a 7-on-7 tournament in Washington. And he's just the guy that, like you said, he, he wants to compete and he wants to show that he's the best player on the field at all times, regardless of what the rankings say, what uh, another kid has as far as offers or anything like that. He wants to show in front of everybody and leave no doubt in anybody's mind that he is, in fact, the best player on the field. And to touch on your note from uh, Coach Adams, when I saw him at both camps, he is quickly becoming one of my favorite coaches as well. He is very animated, like you said, but he also just brings a lot of energy, which I think is going to be really good for the Oregon State football program because he's a guy that won't let guys drag their feet in early morning uh, uh, practices, and he won't let guys slack uh, on the field or off the field as well. He's a guy that's just going to push you and push you and push you um, and push the right buttons to make sure that he can get the best out of his players at all times. Um, and so I think it's really – and he's obviously turned out to be a pretty good recruiter um, in different areas as well. Coming from Florida, having to adjust to the West Coast, he's turned out to be a pretty good recruiter. And – uh, solidified some pretty good relationship with kids up and down the West Coast. And I think uh, a lot of prospects are definitely seeing that and taking notes as a guy that they can build a long-term relationship with as well. Hey, man, we've had you on for almost 20 minutes now, but there's still one more guy who jumped out to me. Well, two more um, that I'll be quick with Well, before we wrap this up. Um Samuel Peacock was in attendance, uh, picked up an offer from Oregon State shortly thereafter. Uh, he's a defensive lineman prospect out of Gig Harbor. I do believe the Bees were his first Power 5 offer, um, third offer overall. But there was one kid in attendance at the camp on the ninth who I had to do a double take on. Now tell me, who is it? If you had to guess, the kid is 6'3", 230, what position would he play? Six three two thirty. Yeah. Well, uh, I'd say Bill. either wide receiver, maybe outside linebacker, maybe. I don't know, maybe even quarterback. If I told you he was he was a punter, what would your reaction be? I would say you are out of your mind, and he probably <laughs> plays rugby in Australia or something like that. Maybe <laughs> That's right. what I was thinking. I had to text Angie about this, and was like, "There is a guy out here kicking." And he's bigger than some of the linemen. Um, Caleb Whiteboard, he's a he's a name most of you might recognize. He's a punter transfer out of uh, – he prepped at Camas, went to Nebraska, and he's actually in the transfer portal right now looking for a new home. He was in attendance and putting balls out there that were like 60 yards plus in the air. And Easy. I think, yeah, he was booming things, and he did not look like a punter at all. So – um, he's definitely on the Bees' radar right now, probably looking for a walk-on opportunity to transfer into if he's looking at Oregon State. But I thought I'd throw that little caveat in there. And with that, 
let's wrap this up. Thank you so much for coming on, joining us on the Dam Recruiting Podcast, Lucas, and talking a little bit of camps with us. We'll definitely have you on here in the near future, talking some Oregon, Washington recruiting and uh, kind of anything else that might pop up. So thank you again, Lucas, and uh, we'll have you on again soon. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, another great episode of the Damn Recruiting Podcast. Before we go, Adam, do you have anything else to add, my man? You know, it's supposed to be the summer. It's supposed to be the slow season for us, but I feel like it has just been go, go, go. And tonight, especially, it's going to be go, go, go around Blitz. So make sure you're checking us out over there for all of our content and the latest from the uh, recruiting trail for football, basketball, baseball, and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. And also, we do have... Like I said, we do have a new home for the Damn Recruiting Podcast. Um, that probably won't be up till next week on Thursday. We'll certainly keep you guys um, in the loop and just letting you guys know where we'll post it, how we'll post it, and how you can find it. I'm 100% sure it's basically about to be as simple as it gets and be as simple as it is now just to listen. But if we don't have anything else, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Damn Recruiting Podcast with your host Marcus Greaves and Adam Nicholson. 